Good morning. It's January 16th. It is a snow-covered and intermittently sleety morning here in New York City. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. Donald Trump won the Iowa Republican presidential caucuses yesterday by a huge margin, as everyone expected him to, which was good for a four-column photo and a two-column lead news story on the front of the New York Times. Setback for DeSantis and Haley, the subhead said, which presumes there was anything for Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley to be set back from. Given their overall performance in the race, it seems more like a stay back. Although in the light of whatever ineffable goal, other than beating Donald Trump, they're actually pursuing, it might have been a good night for DeSantis, in that he appears after the print deadline to have secured a very, very distant second place, slightly ahead of Haley in third place, ruining the hopes of the people who thought that last night might officially mark the humiliating end of the DeSantis campaign. It did mark the end of the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign, after the yappy biotech investor wrapped up his pitch to voters by promising to end the 14th Amendment's guarantee of birthright citizenship, which, however unconstitutional it may be, amounted to a pledge to outlaw Vivek Ramaswamy's presidential candidacy, which, if only on those narrow terms, turned out to be something that all of America could get behind but also something this country was capable of doing without targeting the nation's millions and millions of other children of immigrants. But that was a sideshow to a sideshow. The main event is trying to explain why anybody bothered covering Iowa as the man who was always going to win it won it. It does seem worth noting how slumped and tired he looks in his front page photo, a reminder of the unspoken subtext of everyone else's Republican presidential campaign, which is simply their hope to be recognized by and acceptable to the party's voters in the event that Trump drops dead. On the other, equally unsuspenseful side of the presidential campaign, the Times features a White House memo piece by Peter Baker, describing the startling and incongruous phenomenon that when the President of the United States goes to small-town America on the campaign trail, he brings along a huge motorcade, a security detail, and all the other trappings of the imperial presidency of a world superpower. Who knows what other details the institutional press corps might notice if the presidential contest keeps dragging on with absolutely no news value. Down at the bottom of page one, there is a graph further certifying the fact that last year was the hottest year on record. The headline on the Connected Inside story describes it as the hottest year in over a century, but it's not like there's some hotter year lurking before 1924 in the records. It's just that's how far back the measurements go. Next to that, on page A9, a quarter of humanity is affected by drought, And above that, a nice hellish picture of how the Icelandic volcanic event spat out more lava over the weekend, engulfing a few houses. And on page A16, there's coverage of the deep freeze striking the southern United States, which it doesn't seem like anybody is dumb enough anymore to even try to point to to counter the news of the warming planet. The climate gets shakier, cold air falls off the North Pole, it lands in Mississippi, and here we are. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going, and if all goes well, we will talk again tomorrow.